Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. 3 John 1, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so we want to continue today uh, along the same topic or the same general subject we've been talking about uh, uh, for the last, this week, last week. Of course, we had about a four-month pause there. Started back in uh, April, the end of April, and then in, uh, into May. And then, like I said, we stopped for a little while, but the last couple of weeks, last Sunday, and this, we've been talking about the title, Money Matters. And, uh, you know, the title is kind of twofold, and it's, it's uh, money is important, but also the issues, things concerning finances. And, and um, you know, uh, it, it's an important subject to God. It's an important subject to us. And, uh, you know, every time I do this, I, I, Steve and I were talking about it in the office, and I think Amy and I talked about it as well. You know, you always want to um, be careful. And for the sake of people maybe that are new, haven't been here before, or uh, people who are listening online, maybe for the first time, checking it out. And, and we want to just write up front, just make it real clear, you know, that uh, it can be a touchy subject for people. And you may be tired of hearing that, but people struggle with these things. And, you know, as far as me, you know, my heart uh, and, and, and what we do, it's not just about getting information out. I want to make sure we're connecting with people's hearts. And when the, anything that could be a stumbling block or a roadblock, you know, it's important to take the time to make sure we address it. And of course, people can, can decide to do what they want to do, but we want to make sure we address these things. And, and um, you know, the subject of money is an important thing, but it's touchy with a lot of people. And, you know, just, you know, we don't do it all the time, but it's something that's important. We certainly don't want to avoid it either. And uh, it's an important part of our life. It affects every part of our life. And, and um, you know, like I said, there's been a lot of abuses on it. And I said this every week. And we could tell you some, some crazy stories. We've seen some things that are, that are just completely outrageous. I told you the time that we were in Jacksonville. And if I said his name, you would recognize who this minister was. He, he has said, if, ever, if you'll bring up a $100 bill, I'll pray for you so that God will impart a healing anointing in your life. Total nonsense and, and just completely ridiculous and manipulation. And unfortunately, these things go on. But what's the best way to, to counteract or to respond to excess or manipulation or error? It's not to avoid it. It's to teach God's word. And what does the word of God say? And what does the Bible say about something? And, and, and you know, there's always going to be error. Any truth in the Bible, the enemy wants to twist it. Anything that's true, it could be on any subject, even, even the subject of love, the enemy wants to twist it. We, we live in a time where the enemy wants to twist what the meaning of love is and, and the meaning of this and the meaning of that and what, how this applies. Let's not let the world or the enemy do our talking for us and, and let it uh, take the place or him take the place of what God's word says. God's word is really clear on all of these topics and all of these subjects. And it's just important that we put these things out, but also for ourselves personally, uh, make sure that our hearts are open uh, to what his word says. You know, I've been talking on Sunday nights about repentance. Uh, you know, sometimes people say those churches who believe in prosperity, which we believe in prosperity, you know, they don't talk about repentance or sin. Yes, we do. We talk about these things all the time. Now, some might, but that's not our business, but we do. Uh, but, you know, on the subject of repentance, we've been talking about it. We'll, we're, we'll talk some more tonight about it. Come out. You'll, you might think, well, that sounds awful. Uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. And if you've been here, I think you've enjoyed it as well. As well. But um, well, repentance, you know, not getting into all of it, uh, there is an aspect of repentance that we should have every time we come to church where our hearts are open. 
And, and we're listening to not just what the minister is saying. You know, you have to, to judge even what the minister is saying, myself included, or Pastor Amy, or Pastor, Pastor Angela. Does it line up with God's word? And, and we have to take those things, but also our own ideas and our own thoughts about things, and then put them at the feet of Jesus. What does the word say? And, and there's a lot of things. As we grow, as we mature in our faith, as we learn more and more light we have, there's always going to be things that we're going to see where the Lord is, wants to, to fine-tune how we do things, how we believe, how we see things. Why? Because he wants to fine-tune how we live and how we operate. Why? Because we're moving up to look more like him. We're, we're, that should be our goal. To look more like Jesus and to be a better representation of Christ on the earth. I mean, Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father. He said, every, he said, I don't do anything if my Father doesn't tell me to do it. Whatever he says, I say. Whatever he does, that's what I do. Well, that should be what we're moving to. We've all got some room to grow. We've got some things where we need to repent. You might say, well, what are you talking about? Well, come, you'll find out tonight. But things we need to repent, adjustments that need to be made. And so I would encourage you tonight as we talk, or this morning as we talk about it, continue, uh, you know, as the Lord, you see things in scripture. You always have a choice. Always, you always have a choice. Anytime you hear something, you have a choice. That's a, a wonderful, wonderful thing that we have the opportunity to make decisions for ourselves. Aren't you glad? And you can make a decision, but with that decision is such responsibility. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and, um, you know, you have conversations with people and they just made the comment, you know, well, God is love. And I don't see how a, a, a God who's loving, if Jesus loves me, anytime somebody does those, you know where this is going, you know, is it, if Jesus loves me so much, you know, what, you know, what, would he send me to hell? Would he send me to hell? I mean, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing as good as everybody else, you know, and, and, and it's not, a, Jesus hadn't sent one person to hell. The father hasn't sent one person to hell. There's not one person there that he's happy. Either one are happy that they're there. It breaks their heart and grieves them to the very deepest part of who they are. Every person is there. It's not that God's will, but he's given mankind a choice. He's given us a choice. And so I tried to tell her, I was like, you know, this isn't about Jesus. Jesus doesn't send anybody to hell. He gives you a decision. You have a choice to make. And live in great, you know, share the gospel again with this person. And, and uh, you know, we've talked many times about it. Well, at some point, you have to make a decision for yourself. Well, that's a great response or, or, or privilege, but it's also a huge responsibility. And that applies in every area of our life. You know, I, I've, I, I believe we've made the decision. I've made the decision for myself. I trust you've made the decision for you that God's word is the final authority on every single topic. If there's one area that you can't trust this in, then can you trust God's word in any area of your life? If you question anything that's said, if you question any part of it, now we understand our understanding of things is growing. We're seeing things better. We're, we're our, 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 our clarity of what this says is always growing. There's times we make adjustments, but, but this, this is the gold standard. This is the, what's higher than gold standard. This is the this is the, oh, the platinum standard. All right, this is, the, this is the, the ultimate standard for our life. And we have to just accept it as, as absolute truth. And if the word says something, and, and even if I've thought it said something else before, and I realize, oh, I've seen that wrong, or man, this, this affects me. I want to make that change. Why? Because there's a blessing to do this. You know, when we've been talking about money, you know, 
Pastor Amy quoted, you know, in Philippians that not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Everything that we do, we, tend, we try to, endeavor to, 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 to do it for, for all of our benefits, not just for you, but for me as well. And like I said, I, I, so th- this is, there's fruit that abounds to you. We want to grow in this area. Like I said, I always want to address that and make sure that we're all on the same page and kind of know where we're coming from. So you can just relax and uh, we can all relax together and hear what the Lord has to say for us this morning. So last week... Uh, before I got started, uh, right before service had so many things going on and it was just kind of, could anybody tell when I came up to do the offering, I wasn't even, I, was, I wasn't even sure where I was at that point. I'm like stumbling all over my words. Like what's going on? I had a joke for you last week. I had a money joke. Anybody want to hear the money joke? How about the rest of you? You want to hear the money joke? All right. So, all right. Hopefully I won't mess it up. All right. So, um, uh, there was a, a, a mom and her young child were at the, we're at the local Starbucks and, uh, and, and the, she's drinking her coffee and the daughter, the young daughter was, was playing with her change, you know, the, the mom's change and she put a nickel in her mouth and she began to choke on the nickel and uh, the mom's trying to get the nickel out and trying to get her free and her airway's completely blocked and she starts, oh, my daughter, my daughter's choking on a, on a nickel, help, help, my daughter's choking on a nickel. So this man in the corner he gets up and quickly walks over, but confidently walks over, comes up behind her, does the Heimlich maneuver, and the nickel comes flying right on out, and he just walks back to his seat. Matter of fact, doesn't say a word. She, she checks on her daughter, makes sure her daughter's okay. You know, she's so grateful. She goes to him and she said, thank you so much. I, I was amazing. Are you a doctor? He said, no, I work for the IRS. So, anyway, there, there's our money joke this morning. All right. If you're here this morning and you work for the IRS, I am sorry. So, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> they probably can get that nickel out better than a doctor. Anyway, so, hallelujah. Third John, we read this verse. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. God wants us to prosper. The reason for this is not, we say this as well, is not just for having things, but God wants you to have good things. Any good parent wants their children to enjoy life, to have the things that they need. He wants you to have that. But at the same time, God's not impressed with stuff. His stuff is far better than our stuff. I love what Brother Christopher says. When this is all said and done, doesn't matter what you have, just one person's pile of junk might be a little bit bigger than somebody else's pile of junk, but it's all going to be a pile of junk compared to what's coming and what the Lord enjoys. And so he's not concerned with those things. If you want a nice car, he wants you to have a nice car. If you like having this, if you like having that, God wants you to have those things. He's fine with it. But what he doesn't want to see happen, he doesn't want those things to have you. He wants your heart. And he wants you to prosper in every area. It says just as your soul prospers financially, physically, but he wants your heart. That's, that's what he's concerned about. And, uh, and, and also we want to be prosperous for the fact that the ministry of the gospel needs it. There is a great work to be done here. Having an eye for prosperity for this purpose is a kingdom perspective. It's an eternal perspective. We need to be blessed so that we can fund the gospel. So prosperity is an important thing to us. We talked a lot about um, tithing in the past sessions. We've talked about tithing. We've talked about different things. Luke chapter 4, I'll just read it to you. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So Jesus was concerned about these things. We got into the subject of tithing. I've got a lot of notes this morning, so I want to make sure I get to everything. Uh, you can go back and listen to prior, prior sessions uh, if you like. Um, go over to Leviticus chapter 27. We'll look at it again just real quickly. Leviticus 20, 27. This will be the 30th chapter or the 30th verse rather. 
I know it's your favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. Leviticus 27. It says, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord's. We talked about the fact that the tithe is holy to the Lord. It belongs to him. It's funny. I heard somebody, I think uh, somebody had mentioned a friend of theirs that when the subject of tithing comes up, you know, they say, well, that says the tithe of the land. This is talking about produce and I don't grow anything, so I don't have any reason to tithe. That's, that's not what it's talking about. Ask Abraham, ask, ask Jacob. They tithed of all of their resources before the law existed. It's a pre-law uh, um, uh, thing. But the principle is still the same. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's holy. It belongs to him. So we want to make sure we treat it right. We talked last week about honor. It's not just the withholding of what's due, but it's how we do it as well as important. And I did want to mention this. You know, last week, who remembers the baby? The creepy baby doll. I still have it in the bag. It's been in the bag all week. We've come in and fed it. No, we haven't. Our creepy baby we had last week. So I I, I did want to mention, you know, last week we had the baby. Mark's back with us tonight or this morning back here. All right. And we were, I was given the example of, of last when, when baby Everett was born, going to the house, you know, and as far as how we treat things shows honor. And so the, 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 the widow woman, when she gave, she gave the two mites, but then the rich were just casting their, their, their money into the money plate, but she put it in there on purpose. She was very purposeful in what she did. And so how you treat something you, is important as well. And oftentimes what happens, people will give, but they don't do it in the right way. Motives and attitude matter. And so, you know, uh, the scripture in, in Hebrews says there, uh, men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of, of whom it says that he lives. Who's the he speaking of? Speaking of Jesus. Jesus doesn't receive the actual tithe itself, but what does he receive? The church here receives the tithe. Men receive the tithe. The church does, and, and that's what we use to fund, uh, to fund the gospel and the ministry of the church, and what the church gives a lot of different places. But Jesus doesn't actually get the tithe. He doesn't get the, the resources itself. What does Jesus receive? He gets the honor that's attached to it. So he gave the example, you know, with Mark, you know, when we went over there to, to, they introduced us to Everett, had I come in and we're like, oh, you know, just, just rough with Everett. And I I hate even to say Everett's name and shake the baby at the same time. Right. (laughs) Somebody mentioned last week after service, I saw several, I see more cameras up. All right. Uh, uh, I said, uh, I saw a bunch of camera, you know, phones up recording me last week. Somebody afterwards like, oh, we've got blackmail on you now. So um, you can put this on the internet. It looks like I'm because this kid is pretty real looking. So it's a one thing to physically handle the child wrong, right? Because that would not show honor to, to, to Mark and Kat or to the baby. But how about, how about this? I'm holding it and the whole time I'm thinking is, I can't believe I'm here. I didn't mention this last time, last week, but my thoughts are wrong. I'm thinking I'm, while I'm, do, I'm doing it the right way, outwardly doing it right, but internally, I'm like, man, I just, I can't believe we had to come over here. I can't, let's just get it done and get out of here, you know, and, and, you know, well, you can give Mark and Kat wouldn't know what I'm thinking. They don't know the thoughts that are running through my mind and, and what I'm, what I'm focusing on at the moment, but you do realize the Lord knows all of those things. And so just as a side note, we want to make sure our attitudes are right when our giving is concerned. We're doing it with the right heart. The Bible says he's, he, he's looking for those whose heart is in their giving. It means they're doing it, but he wants them to have their heart connected. 
And so your heart being involved in it is important. So uh, we talked about those things. We talked about first and best, not last and left. We looked at Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will flow with, with new wine. So we talked about that as well. So it's been good. So I want to move on to the next, uh, the next topic. And I've got a lot of notes for this. Uh, but we're going to try to condense it down just to this morning so we can move on. But I want to talk about generosity this morning. Now, I know Pastor Angela talked about generosity on a Wednesday night uh, a couple months ago. I'm not sure exactly when it was, but she talked about the subject of generosity, and, and it was good. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen again. But I want to look at it again uh, this morning. I've got a lot of things that um, I believe will be helped to us. Uh, go to Proverbs chapter 11. We had read this scripture uh, last week. And uh, I want to look at this together again. Proverbs eleven twenty four. I'll wait till the pages are there. There's no more turning. Proverbs eleven, important scriptures. Don't you love God's word? Amen. You know it's a blessing to be able to give. Amen. Yes. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, "There is one who scatters yet increases more." And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. So we talked about withholding more than is right. There is a part that is okay to withhold, but then there's a part that's wrong. The tithe belongs to him. Holding on to that would be incorrect, would be wrong. We want to make sure we're tithers, not tippers, right? And uh, so there is a part that withhold the honors is also something we want to attach to our giving as well. That's a choice that we make. But notice the next scripture. It says, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So notice in, in, in verse 24, he's talking about increasing, withholding, and which leads to poverty. With giving what is right, it leads to more, leads to increase in your life. But he right away goes on and says, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also himself be watered. Solomon was, we said last time that he was the world's only trillionaire by today's standards. He was very, very wealthy. And in fact, they estimate he had around $2 trillion at the height of his wealth. He did pretty well for himself. And uh, God had blessed him. Of course, you know the story. The Lord had said, you know, ask anything you want of me. And he asked for wisdom. And the Lord granted him wisdom, how to rule the people, how to rule well. And he said, because you've asked right, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to bless you. And his, the blessings of the Lord was, was on Solomon's life completely. Uh, but, but Solomon knew a thing or two about finances. And he said, the generous soul will be made rich. I want to look at uh, um, a couple things, some examples of Solomon's giving. I think it will be a help to us. Go to Second Chronicles, the, the first chapter. I've got quite a few scriptures, at least the ones we're going to get to. And um, uh, I, I, so if you can turn fast, that would be a help. But in Second Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 6, this is so, speaking of how Solomon gave. We can learn from other people's examples. It says in Solomon, this is Second Chronicles 1, 6, and Solomon went up from there, uh, went up there to the ha- bronze altar before the Lord, which, as it was, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. He offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Now, typically, when they went, people would go to make an offering, they would make a single burnt offering, or they might have a couple different things that they were doing, maybe one or two, depending upon the, the situation, the type of offering that was going on. But it says Solomon here offered a thousand burnt offerings. That is, that is a, that is a, when you're, when the normal is one or two and he's offering a thousand, which is greater? 
but thousands a lot more. And in fact, it's a lot, a lot more. It's, you can almost say it's an over, over the top amount more. And this also was at a point in Solomon's life where Solomon wasn't the double trillionaire at this point. He was wealthy. He was still king, but, but he hadn't reached the place where God was taking him. He was still beginning. And at this point, he, he offered two or a thousand uh, burnt offerings. Notice how God responded. On that night, this is verse 7, on that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, what shall I give you? Notice in response to Solomon's generous gift. Remember, he said that the generous soul will be made rich. In response to his generous offering, whereas the norm was just a single, he offered a thousand. How did God respond? God responded with, uh, uh, ask, what shall I give you? And in fact, this is the time, I believe, where he asked for wisdom. This is when he asked the Lord for wisdom. And um, we can see this, that God responds to our giving. He responds to our generous giving. Uh, there's an account in the New Testament where I believe the centurion or, or, or I forget who exactly it was, the centurion had offered alms to the Lord. And the, and the Bible says their alms went before the Lord and the Lord responded to them because of his giving. The Lord responds to our generosity. He responds to our giving. It gets God's attention. Remember we said last week, we talked about the widow woman again as she was giving that Jesus stood by and watched how they gave and Jesus made comments on those things. He sees what they did and how they did it. He's still seeing what we do and how we do it, but he also notices how we give to the measure that we give. Now, I know when you talk about generosity, people are like, okay, now, like I said, we're getting, now you're, now you're pushing us forward. We're not taking, receiving or taking up another offering. It's not going to happen. We want to bless you. I believe the Lord wants to take us up higher and to promote us into greater things. There's a lot of work to be done. And so the subject of generosity is all throughout the scripture. In fact, you'll never find one place where the Lord tells somebody or writes, don't give, that's too much. He always encourages generosity. He always encourages generosity. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, you can turn over there. This is also King Solomon. This man who God blessed tremendously, we can have examples of how he give, gave, how he lived his life. We can see that as guides for us. And we'll look at some more scriptures. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. It says, King Solomon offered a sacrifice of what? 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep, so the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. So he offered a thousand burnt offerings before. Now, just a few, just a short time later, as God is blessing him, he offered what? He offered, this was not his tithe. This was an offering. Said he offered 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. That is an offering that is, that is getting very large. He's growing. Well, notice how God responded in verse 12. Second Chronicles seven twelve. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Notice that his giving was tied to God's response. How we gave was tied to God's response. Brother Hagen had made this, had given this account of this time when he was, uh, and I mentioned this before, I believe back in April or May. Um, he, he was at a... Uh, forget exactly if he was a pastor. I think he was pastoring the church at the time. And um, a guest minister had showed up or a traveling minister had stopped in his town, gotten off the bus in front of their church, you know, on, on a Saturday night. And they invited him to stay over. And, and he stayed at the church and stayed that next Sunday. And the Lord had told uh, Brother Hagin to give the pastor a certain amount of money. And it was getting close to Christmas. And he didn't know the situation. But the reason why the, the minister had stopped in front of Brother Hagin's church 
it wasn't just to visit the Hagans. That was as far as his money would take him. His bus fare would take him, and he had to get off there. And so he got off at the church, and so he didn't say anything to Brother Hagan, but the Lord and prompted them to give them some money. Well, Brother Hagan said it was before Christmas, and they needed the money. What the Lord put on his heart to do, this offering, this gift, was, was, would have been their, his kids' Christmas money. And so he's, he kind of argued with the Lord about it and, and, and like, well, you know, this is for the kids, you know, Aretha and, and the kids. I can't do that. So finally he just obeyed. Anytime the Lord leads you to do something like that, he's, he's wanting to bless you. He's not trying to drain your bank accounts or ruin your Christmas. He wants to bless you. And so Brother Hagan gave him the money. And of course the money came in for Christmas. The Lord returned all of the money that, that he gave and they were blessed. But many years later, he was at a, in a situation where they were praying for somebody and God moved in a spectacular way. And this is a miracle happened. And after it happened, the Lord told Brother Hagin, he said, that happened tonight because you gave that minister those years ago that I told you to give to. What I'm, the point is that we, we know Brother Hagin had a good track record and we can see here that God responds with other things by our giving. And we can see that God responds not only financially, but obedience to the Lord and a generous heart, God, it allows God to do things in our life. It allows God to, to move in our life. We have precedent for it. And, 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 uh, you know, had brother Hagan not done that, not, not given that minister, that offering that, that the Lord told him to, he said that this girl would not have been healed. So just as a, a rule of thought, we want to be open to these things when the Lord talks to us about this. What can we see about Solomon's giving? He wasn't haphazard in his giving. It took a lot of time, a lot of effort. If you're going to give 22,000 of anything, it takes some time. That's a lot of sheep. That's a lot of bulls. That's a lot of altars to be built. That's a lot of prep. That alone speaks of one thing. And the word is what? Honor. Because it's care. It's attention to do that. But also it speaks of generosity. So he was very, 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 very generous. So the meaning of the word generous or generosity is liberal in giving or sharing, unselfish. Um, a, a side note, you know, that is selfishness is attached to not being liberal. So if a person, it says that generosity is not selfish, selfish is directly then not generous, right? Uh, it also means a large, abundant, and ample. God is generous in his nature. God is generous in his nature. John three sixteen says what? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave and he just gave something. No, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his very, very, very best. I think we could say God is generous. He's generous in mercy. He's, he's generous in favor. He's generous in blessings. God is, God is ever, anything. He is generous and nothing else. He's a generous God. Jesus was generous. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'll read it to you. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, you know this verse. For you know the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. The Amplified says his gracious generosity. Jesus was generous. And we look throughout the scriptures, we have just record and time and time again where God showed himself as being faithful, yes, but also generous. Jesus showed himself to be faithful and true, but also to be generous over and over and over again. The early church was generous. Go to Acts chapter 2. Like I said, I have several scriptures here, but I want you to see that generosity is a part of, of who the, the nature and who God is. It's a part of who he is, but it's also part of the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 46, 
Acts 2.46, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. If you have Amplified, you can read along with me, or if you just want to listen. Acts 2.46 says, And day after day they regularly assembled in the temple, and with united purpose, and in their homes they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook, partook, partook of the food with gladness and simplicity, and what generous Hearts. They were generous in hearts. Of course, the result of that, just like with Solomon, God responded. Constantly praising God and being in favor and goodwill with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved from spiritual death. There's always a response to when we invest whatever it is. And I'll just say this, generosity is more than just money. When we're talking about generosity, just so you know, generosity should apply to our finances. We're talking about money Money matters, but we should be generous with our time. We should be generous with our, our, our talents, our gifts. They come from the Lord. We should be generous in how we use them in the church and with people. We should be generous. We should be generous with our amens this morning. All right. So um, we can see that God, I set you up for that one. So we can see that God always responds to our generosity. We ought, to, we ought to make sure that that nature that God has, that Jesus had and was displayed in the church is part of our nature as well. The Bible says we become partakers of his divine nature. If God is generous, if Jesus is generous, I'm here to tell you, you are generous. It, it, and the Bible says um, to be imitators of God as dear children. If God was generous, if Jesus is generous, then you can imitate God and you can exude and exemplify generosity. That's not a bad thing. That ought to be a goal that we're all looking forward to. You know, one of the reasons for prosperity is so that, yes, our needs are met, but we can fund the gospel, but we would have an abundance for what? Every good work and charitable donation. That should be our goal. Never get satisfied with where you are. Never get satisfied with, you know, I have enough and this, I have my needs met and I've, you know, I've got the, my, my, the car that I liked and, and so I'm just going to rest. No, we should always be growing. Why? Because there's more to do. There's more to do. There's more to be accomplished. There's more needs to be met. But this is not an automatic thing. This generosity becoming a part of who we are. It's a decision that we must make. Second Corinthians chapter eight. It's 11:50. My goodness. Second Corinthians chapter eight. It says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace, this is verse 1, 2 Corinthians 8, 1. Moreover, brethren, now we know that we, we oftentimes will read when we're receiving the offering, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudging, live necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. But chapter 8 and chapter 9, he's talking about finances. Paul's talking about finances to him. They're giving. It says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the church of Macedonia, that in great tribu- trial, in great, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of our joy and our, and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that among, that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only, as we had hoped, but they first, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Verse 6, so we urge Titus that as he had begun, he, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. What grace was he talking about? It was a giving grace. It was a generous giving grace. So Paul actually sent Titus there to, to take what he saw in the other churches and to produce that in their life. 
Now, we know Scripture is written by God. All Scripture is inspired by God. Do we believe Paul missed it? Do you believe Paul had it wrong? He, he, should have, he shouldn't have sent Titus there to complete that grace. He should have sent him to the 7-Eleven and, and got some good sticky buns for the team. Is that what he should have done? No. He, he, he was led by the Spirit of God to send Titus to them to what? To, to complete that same grace in them. He said, he said, uh, he said that, so he would complete this grace in you also. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence and in your love for us, don't you think these are things that we should abound in, that we should make a purpose to grow in? We should grow in faith and in all of these things, knowledge, diligence. He said, see that you abound in this grace also. What grace was he talking about? He's talking about the grace of giving, a generous grace. So we have, we have a, this is not just Paul telling Titus to do something for a specific group. This was instruction for the church at large that we should see this grace developed in us. That means at Impact Family Church, Paul would say to us, make sure that you develop this grace in you as well. And I know many of us have, and we're all growing on these things, but this should be something that we're intentional about, this, this aspect of grace flourishing in our lives. It's an important thing that we do. We have a lot of other um, uh, different examples, and I'll just kind of quote some to you. When, 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 the, when the, uh, uh, the, the wise men came to Jesus, and it says that they worshiped him, did they sing him a song? No, they, they gave an offering, right? There was no mention of them singing anything. They were like me. They couldn't sing. And so they, they brought what they could do. And so they laid their treasures at his feet. And their gift was so large and so abundant. It said they opened their treasures to them, gold and frankincense and myrrh, the most expensive things of that day. It funded Jesus' ministry and his life, how he was raised. It funded his, his being raised. But also it, it started him in his ministry, that gift stayed with him for years. It was an abundant gift. It was a what? A generous gift. It was a generous gift. Uh, we have the account of, of Mary. It's in several places at the alabaster fl- fl- uh, 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 box. Yeah, that she that was broken and she poured it on the feet of Jesus. It was a year's wage. A single gift that she gave to the Lord Jesus and she, she poured it out on his feet and she wiped his feet with, his, with her hair. And, and it says that the disciples, some of the disciples caught an attitude about it. And in fact, if you read, I believe in Luke, it specifically said it was Judas. We know how things ended for Judas. Judas had a love of money. A love of money, which we know the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The Bible says not money, but the love of it. Judas loved money. And Judas... The seeds of what happened later were started right here. And it says that he got offended over it, not that he cared for the poor. He said, hey, we, should, we could have given that to a poor. The poor, that's a year's wages. It wasn't that he really cared. He was stealing from the box. He was taking money for himself. So the enemy always wants to attack these things. The subject of generosity, he wants to use this to, to get us off track and to distract us and to corrupt how we see things. It cost Judas everything. When somebody else's generosity bothers you, check yourself, right? When what somebody else does bothers you, you need to check your own heart. First of all, it wasn't yours to give in the first place. It's not your business to say anything about it, right? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't Judas's business. He didn't own the alabaster box. What business was it of his, what she did with it? She could have gone out, thrown it out the car window if she wanted to, right? The chariot window, she could have done it. 
But notice, but she chose to, to, to pour the pour in the feet of Jesus. Of course, we know that, that it was, you know, anointing him for his burial. But Jesus said, this will be spoken of anywhere the gospel is preached. What her generosity made a name for her. Is it, it was a precious thing that's proclaimed. We'll, we'll hear about Mary and her offering to the Lord Jesus for eternity. God cares about generosity. It would be spoken of. Amy referred to in Philippians. Now she said, you know, uh, uh, he might've been in a bad spot. He was in jail. He wrote the letter from prison. He was in the worst of spots and he did, he was released, but they gave generously to him. When he said, I have all and abound, he was speaking by faith over his finance, his situation. He was, but at the same point, he also was commenting on what had happened. They had given so much. If you go back and look what happened that they had sent so much in those days, if you were a Roman citizen, you were in prison, people could send you money to help you restart your life after that. And they had sent him enough money that when he got out of jail, his next missionary campaign was going to be fully funded. That was a generous gift. We can see, like I said, we can see throughout scripture that generosity is a key component to our giving. And it's something that's got to be developed in our life. It's something that we must do. Um, Something that we give, my goodness, it's 1157. I was really wanting to get through with this. Our our giving has got to mean something to us. I said our giving has got to mean something to us. Uh, there's, there's an example in second Samuel, second Samuel chapter 24, second Samuel 24. Just give me a few minutes. It's we're, we're, we're going to get done. This is important. Second Samuel 24. This is King David. This is, this is referring to one of his offerings. And, and if you're wondering, we're going to move on to something else. But I, like I said before, just be open. What does God's word say? He's not trying to hurt you. He wants to bless you. God wants to bless us. And no matter what the economy does, he wants us to be taken care of, but we have to do it God's way. He blesses his plan, not our plans. Amen. Let's make our plans his plans. It says here in, in 2 Samuel 24, this is the 24th verse. Then the king said, then the king said to Aaron, no, but I will. David was wanting to offer a sacrifice. He wanted to buy his threshing floor so he could build an altar to it, uh, build an altar to the Lord. Well, then David said to Aaron, no, I, but I will surely buy it from you. Once again, he wanted it built by the threshing floor. King Aaron, I wanted to just give it to King David. Just wanted to give it to him. But this is how David responded. No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, with, which, uh, with that which, was, which cost me nothing. A little tongue-tied there, but it says, I will not do this, offer this to the Lord on something that cost me nothing. It cost me nothing. He's saying that you're, you're, my giving needs to cost me something, right? I know as a kid, you know, I was trying to think of a good example. You get a kid, a kid I used to, obviously, uh, I love McDonald's. My mom said that we would drive down the road and I'd see the, I'd see the, the golden arches, you know, and I was little and I'd start saying fries, 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 fries. And we would pass down and go fries, fries. So, uh, I, you know, I love McDonald's. And so I remember as a kid, you know, uh, we'd go and my parents would want me to share share my fries or my brother to share his fries with me. Anybody know what I'm talking about when you're young? You do know children are by nature stingy. What's one of the first words that a, ch- a child says usually? Mine, mine, my, just kind of like in Toy Story. Mine, mine, right? You know, was that what he said? Was it Nemo? All right, Nemo. You know, one of those Disney movies. But anyway, so you, know, you go, to, go to McDonald's, you know, and my mom would say, you know, give your brother a fry. Which fry did I look for? 
you know I look for the smallest, most dried out, terrible looking fry. I mean, I'm going to obey, but I'm going to pull out that. And I remember times I'd find the right fry. Oh, this is a good one. I pull out and it was a really extra long. I'd be so bummed out. Like, oh man, I gave him, I gave him the good. Anybody know what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, yeah. And so, you know, uh, why? Because I want, I'm going to do it, but it's not going to cost me anything. I don't want it to cost me. I want the big fry for myself. Well, you know, we have to have the heart, you know, that if our heart's not, that's part of our heart being in our giving. It has to cost us something. When we give and we give the bare minimum, now the tithe belongs to the Lord. You realize tithes and offerings, when we're talking about offering, your, your tithe is not involved in it at all. The tithe belongs, it's not even an offering. But in Malachi, it talks about giving tithes and offerings. You've robbed the Lord in tithes and offerings. So both are, are taught. One is a set amount that belongs to him. The other is you give of your own heart. What do you want to give? That's where you attach generosity to. And if it doesn't cost you anything, then it doesn't mean anything to you. And then therefore the Lord didn't receive the technical offering himself. He didn't get it. What does he get? He gets the honor that's attached to it. And if it didn't cost you anything, if it doesn't mean anything to you, is there any worship in it? No, there's no worship in it. There's no honor in it. And we say this because it's an important thing because our giving needs to matter. I want you when you give your tithes, your offerings, I want God to be able to bless it, but he can only bless what he receives. And if you look in Malachi, he said that your offering is, is obnoxious to me. He said, I'm going to close the doors because yeah, you're giving, you're giving the lame, you're giving the sick, you're giving the second best, you're doing this, you're doing it, but you're not doing it with the right heart. And you're, you're not giving something that costs you anything. He said, he said, it's a foul thing to me. So he didn't receive it. In fact, it had the opposite effect. It shut the windows of heaven. But is he said, and then he goes on to say, bring the tithes. Try me now this. Bring the tithes with the right heart is what he was saying. Make this adjustment. Repent. He said, and bring it and see if I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing. God wants this for us. Listen, the church, Impact Family Church, is always going to be taken care of. Why? Because we serve a good God, and I believe it. Amen? We're going to have everything we need to do what God's called us to do always. But I want all of us to be a part of it. God, God wants you to be a part of it. These little adjustments in our giving, it's so important that we do it. So just some quick application. How does this apply to us? What do we do? Get your mind right. Get your mind right. I think I said last week, I would rather a person not give at all if they're going to give the wrong way. I'd rather you keep that 10% in your pocket that, or, or not give at all if you're going to give grudgingly or, or by pressure. There's no pressure here. Like I said, it's your choice. It's your decision. Do with it what you want to do. When I witness to people, there's no pressure. I might, I might, I'll talk to them with passion because I don't want to see them go to hell. But I realize, listen, I'm not pressuring you to do anything. Because I don't want them to respond to pressure. I want it to be from their heart. Because if I, were, if I pressure someone to repeat a prayer, did anything happen in their life? Did it happen? No. Well, when it comes to our giving, there, we want, you want our hearts to be right. We want our hearts to be right. So make those adjustments. The, the Bible says in Romans uh, 12, I love the Amplified about renewing your mind. It says with its new ideals and new attitudes. I love the phrasing there because it's not just change the way you think, just change your thoughts, but it's with its new ideal and the new attitude about, around it. If you've had an attitude about your giving, 
If you've had an attitude about tithes and offerings, if you've had an attitude, and I'm not judging anybody, I've been there myself. Anybody else ever been there before? We're like, man, Lord, I got to do this again. I mean, you know, right? We've all been there. But no, I want to make that adjustment. I want to make that adjustment. I want to just do what he's asking me to do. Why? Because there's blessing attached to it. Like Paul said, it's not about the gift. It's about the fruit that abounds to your account. Make the adjustment. God's desperately wanting to get things true. Now, now it won't happen overnight. People think, well, I'll tithe and I'll give. And suddenly I'm just going to, I'm going to walk out and find buckets of cash in my car. It's not the way it works. You have to prove yourself faithful with where you are. I can't tell you how many people that started off good and money ruined them. God began to bless them. Over the years, we've seen it happen over and over again. Somebody's believing God for a business and they want their own business and they open their business and God starts blessing them and God starts blessing them. And suddenly, you know, well, I got to skip church because I got too much work. And then, and then I, well, I got to skip the next two weeks because I got so much work. You know, God's blessing me and I just got to, well, then, then now it's re- reaching to your detriment. It, it's becoming a, a hurt for you. God's a good, I'm a good, I'm a good parent. I want to give my kids good things, but you know what? I'm not going to give them something that's going to hurt them. They got to grow up. You know, my kids get older, they start driving. I didn't hand them the keys at five. They got the keys at 15 to start learning to drive. Why? You have to grow and mature in these things. Well, you begin to start, start where you are. I said, start where you are. Sometimes people think, you know, well, my tithe, what I've got is nothing. It's huge. Your tithe has such power in it. There, 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 I saw an example on TV the other day. It was on YouTube. There was something called a, the Judean date palm. Have you ever heard about the Judean date palm? Yeah. And so it was, it, it's an extinct date palm. They said it was one of the most aromatic and flavorful date palms that was out there, the fruit that it had. And um, long story short, it became extinct. The Romans back during Jesus' time had, had trapped a bunch of uh, uh, Jews in this orchard where they grew these trees, had trapped these Jews at a, at a fort, fortified embankment or, or on a cliff area, and they had kind of surrounded them. And um, in the course of the battle, you know, all of the, the Jews died, the, the, the Romans destroyed them. Well, they en- ended up going in there and destroying all of their food stores. They had seeds and all these things that they were storing up, you know, for, for future. The Romans went and destroyed the whole thing. And then a few years, many years later, during the Crusades, the, the, the Crusaders came through the same region and burned every one of the Judean palm trees down and killed them all because they didn't want the enemies to have food. And so that was the only place this, this tree was ever grown. And so back in the 20s or something, they were excavating this area where the Judean date palms were, where they had the jars of seeds, where the Jews that, that the Romans wiped out, you know, that they had these jars of seed. And of course, they broke all the jars. Well, they were doing excavating, and they found some jars that hadn't been broken. And so they thought, well, this is great. You know, these are, the, they knew what it was. They're, they're seeds because you could tell what kind of seed it is, you know, because I guess the, I don't know anything about plants, obviously, but they could tell it was, it was from this should have been these trees. And so they thought it was great. Well, a few years ago, somebody was doing some research and found out, oh, they have some of these Judean palms, uh, seeds. Now get it. These seeds were 2000 years old. These were around the time where Christ was crucified when he lived and crucified 2000 year old seeds. So they convinced these people to let us get a hold of these seeds. They allowed them to take some of the seeds. They planted them and nothing was happening, nothing was happening, nothing was happening. And then suddenly, one of them started to grow. And then another one started to grow. And today, Judean date palms are back. They're starting to cultivate them. They've got many trees. They're starting to, to, to produce them again. So something that was extinct for hundreds of years, 
finally wiped out during the Crusades, but seeds that were 2,000 years old began to produce. Your tithe and the seed you sow, no matter what it is, is valuable and it is powerful. And a seed doesn't just produce one fruit. A seed produces the ability in a tree that produces much fruit. Christopher said this. He said this when he's been in Africa. He's seen women in the fields. Because, you know, hunger is a big problem there. We've been there before when there's zero food. Nothing in the shelves. Nothing around. We didn't see any pets, dogs, cats, lizards. Nothing was alive. And because they're eating everything. And he said he's seen people, women in the field, carrying a baby, planting seeds for next season. He said, even in hunger and in pain, they were planting seeds. Why? Because they could have eaten that seed and had a meal, but they recognized the power of that seed. And so they put it in the ground, even in times of pain, they put it into the ground. Why? So it could produce something that would produce a lot more seeds, right? So when I talk about, you know, giving, we're, we're not trying to hurt you. We are wanting to help you if you eat it all. Because he gives bread for food and what seed to sow. But if you eat the seed with the bread, then you've got nothing for later. It's, we're way past time struggling. We're, we're way past time not having enough. Sons and daughters of God, it's way past time for us to be living below. I'm not saying we got to live in multi-million dollar houses, but if you want one, God's not upset with it. Just keep your heart right. But it's, we're way below the time not being able to pay our bills, being paycheck to paycheck, not being able to fund the gospel. When we want to build a building here at Impact Family Church, man, we build that building. We want to send a team to, to the walkers in Europe. Man, we send that team. When we want to do this, we want to do that. When the Lord says, you know, do this for this group, man, we, we boom, we just do it. Why? Because we're we're, we're all Abner Yoders. We're all growing. If you don't know who that is, he was a man that, that gave generously, started with nothing, and God blessed him. If it happened for one, it'll happen for another. But you got to start somewhere. Amen. said, you got to start somewhere. Your seed will produce just as much as anybody else's seed. If you put it in the ground and you'll water it with faith, you'll speak God's word over it, be led by the spirit on how you do it. Now we'll talk tonight. There, there's also an aspect of our giving towards the poor. And we'll, we'll might actually touch on some of that. Tonight. It's, a, it's an important part. In, in Acts, it said that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were sick. The word doing good is actually philanthropy, directly connected to, to meeting people's natural needs. But notice it didn't say he did it for all. He healed all, but he didn't give to all. He didn't do good for all. We'll talk about that maybe tonight. But that's a part of our giving. That's part of what we do. You know, Amy and I, the Lord has taken us through seasons where he's really stretched us. We're in a season now where he's been stretching us in our giving to this, to that. You know, we, we tithe here at the church. We, we're faithful to tithe. We give at the church. I'll say this. The number one place you sow should be the place where God has sent you. If you think that's me being, being wrong, no, the Bible says bring it to the storehouse, your storehouse. So you take it to where you are, but there's also giving beyond that. We give to other ministries. Our tithe is, is, is nowhere near as, as, as big as the rest of our giving. We give far more than we tithe. Why? Because we want to keep putting seed in the ground. We want to sow. We want to, and, and it's not just about getting a return. We believe for a return, but we want to honor God. I want to honor God, not with just what I have to give and what's his, but what do I have to give him? And he's not receiving the cash, but he is receiving the honor because I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it directed by the spirit. 
And there's been times where he's, he's, direct, he's t- pushed us and we said, man, I don't know if I can do that. We've had, to, we've had to not do this. We've had to avoid some of those 72 easy payment setups. You know what I mean? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those, those, all those offers that are out there for C- 72 easy payments. You can have this car. You better be careful with that. You can 72 easy payment. You ride into the poorhouse, Right? You can never buy everything you want. Even if you had a bazillion dollars, you're going to be something that, that you can't afford. But there's been times we've had to put things off. We'll do this later. We'll, we do this now. We'll, but, you know, this is what we want to do. But we'll put it down the road because why? The Lord's given us something. He's put something in our heart to do. And he stretches us. Now I'll say this. Your giving doesn't, every time you give, doesn't have to be this monster 22,000 bull offering. You know, it doesn't have to be that. But your giving as a whole ought to reflect generosity. It ought to reflect generosity. Like I said, there's not one time in the Bible where you see where it's like, eh, don't be generous. That's too much. It's honoring God. But those seeds will always grow. Uh, let's see. I know it's 12, 13. We're going to stop. Um, anything else I want to mention here? Mm. Let's make some confessions over our seed this morning. Why don't you stand with me? And we've been talking about, about giving, and we've, we've already received the offering this morning. Like I said, we're not receiving another one. But uh, let's take an opportunity to thank God for what his word says, but also speak over our, our giving. Does that sound like a good idea? You know, it, it's, it's important that, that the Lord wants us to give and receive. He wants us to do both. And there's some things we can talk about at some point that to give requires faith. But to sow requires faith. Just because you've given an offering doesn't mean you're necessarily anything's going to happen. You have to apply faith to it. You understand what I'm saying? You have to, you have to be obedient. Be led in your giving, but be led in your, in your receiving. Part of that is what we say over our finances. Part of that is as our hearts, our attitudes. But when we sow it, when you sow something, those seeds of the Judean date palm for 2,000 years sat dormant. Why? there was nothing being invested into them. The seeds were there, but there was no care being given to them. The moment they were put in the dirt, some water was poured on them, more water was put on them carefully. They were measuring it out with droppers to make sure they didn't over water the seed. The good news is when you speak God's word of your, your finances, your seed, you can't overwater it. You just keep pouring on it, but you got to do something with it. Let's just confess, make some confessions about our finances. Say, thank you, Lord, that I'm a giver. Thank you, Lord, that I'm a generous giver. I determined to be a generous giver. I'm a faithful giver of my tithes and offerings. And as a result, every debt is paid. As a result, every bill is met. As a result... Every need is met. As a result, every desire is met. As a result, I am the blessing you have called me to be. As a result, I have an abundance for every good work. Angels, go out, cause increase to come in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we honor you. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
for the opportunity to bring our tithes, our offerings before you, Lord. It's a blessing. It's a privilege. Hallelujah. And Father, we are grateful. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The mic's right there. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. And so I hear the spirit of the Lord saying, try me now in this, for I'm moving in this church and I'm asking for you to try me now in this. If you'll step out in a new level of generosity and step out in a new level of faith and obedience, you will see increase even in a time where the world's crying recession. I'll show you a way to prosper and I'll show you a way to be blessed and I'll show you a way to be the blessing that I've called you to be. So try me now in this impact family church and see if i will not confirm my word in your life amen hallelujah 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 father we thank you we thank you we thank you we thank you father thank you for the opportunity thank you for the blessing it is to give I thank you that you are a more than enough God. You are an over-the-top God. And Lord, we embrace this gospel to the poor. We declare it over our lives. And Father, we boldly champion this gospel as well. Father, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.